ESG has become, in my perspective, um, accepted by the marketplace as creating value. ESG strategy is really part of your company strategy. I think we'll see a day when it's just fully integrated and we won't talk about them in a separate way. The types of investors that are interested in ESG tend to be those that are long-term investors. And that's exactly what you want as a new, newly listed company. Welcome to the Exchange Feed podcast series. I'm your host, Monica Ham, Manager Client Success. In this episode titled Smart Start Your ESG, we will discuss why it is important to begin focusing on your ESG strategy, whether your company is pre-IPO or newly listed, and how this will create value for you as you move forward along the ESG pathway. Today I have with me Myla Craig, founder, president, and CEO of Milani Inc. And also with us today is Nancy Gertson, VP IR and ESG at IR Labs. Welcome. Thank you, Monica. It's a pleasure to have both of you here with us today. Thank you, Monica. It's our pleasure. So let's just let's just get started. Let's just jump right into it. Um, we're going to be talking about ESG, um, ESG strategy. When to when a company, whether it's a private company, whether a company is going to be an is going for an IPO, or whether they just completed an IPO. And we're going to be talking about when should companies begin planning their ESG strategy? And to what extent are you seeing early stage companies include ESG as part of their early stage strategy? And Myla, do you want to maybe begin? Certainly. Thank you. Thank you very much, Monica. Um, when is the right time at the beginning of the organization? Uh, <laughs> you, know, listen, you know, ESG has become, in my perspective, um, accepted by the marketplace as creating value. Um, we've moved away from this being about values, but towards creating value, right. which is why the investor community and the financial community care about ESG strategy. Um, so, you know, having said that, it, it comes down to um, understanding what these topics might mean for one's business, building it into the strategy, building it into how you speak to these um, issues, but mostly how you manage it because of the connection to financial performance. Right. Yeah. And Nancy, would you agree with that from the from your experience in the companies that you've worked with as well? Yeah, absolutely. Ideally, you're starting at the very beginning when you actually, you know, formulate a business plan or a concept uh, as an entrepreneur. Um, and, you know, that's that's not really happening uh, right now all of the time as a matter of course. And Myla and I have talked about this before where, you know, your ESG strategy is really part of your company strategy. I think we'll see a day when it's just fully integrated and we won't talk about them in a separate way. But for now, we're still on that journey where we have to um, you know, implore people and companies to include ESG. And if, if for no other reason that they actually add to the, their own valuation in the marketplace, I, I don't know how we'll, we'll spend 20 minutes stressing that so, <laughs> so that every company <laughs> makes sure they're, they're as competitive as they can possibly be in the marketplace. At, at IR Labs, we have a number of clients and we work with all of them to make sure that they're having a look at their ESG strategy 
um, right now, pre-IPO, we even have private companies and we actually, you know, emphasize that with them as well. So um, yeah, it starts right at the beginning. So when a company comes to, to you and um, they're looking to start an ESG program strategy to do a sustainability report, um, when we when we tell the clients, you know, just start somewhere. What for you? What does this really mean? Yeah, maybe I'll take that first. Um, sure. Is you know, I think you know the first thing we like to say is ESG is not GHG. Right. So you know, ESG is so much bigger than just climate. Although that is a very important topic and a very big topic. Um, now, so any company that is in business is managing ESG topics. If you have more than one employee, it will be that you need to attract and retain the best talent for you to develop your business. Um, how you set up your governance structure as an organization. Um, you know, it's not just, and it's not just at the board level, it's about your data governance. Do you have the mm -hmm. systems in place to protect your client data, um, et cetera. Customers, we all need customers. And, um, you know, is your is your business considered socially acceptable? I, I think that the, the key point that I would make is, you know, a big part of the work we do is in the identification of these topics. Uh, again, I wouldn't overthink it. I would just start by trying to identify from a list of E, S or G topics, what might be um, important to your business, what might be important to your stakeholders. And then when we specifically speak about ESG, what we're talking about is that how it connects to financial performance over time. Mm -hmm. and, and that's really, that's the nuance is this, you know, connection to financial performance over time. And that's what you're really trying to do is help to identify those topics that can, that can help you ad ad identify uh, that financial impact and then putting the systems in place to manage those. And, if there are risks or opportunities, you know, being able to um, connect your business to those risks or opportunities. And Monica, you, you mentioned earlier about, you know, smaller or private companies. I mean, not, they're not all small that are public, um, mm -hmm. but, you know, a lot of the smaller companies, I like to put out there that they can be more agile around right. these topics. It's hard to move a big ship, um, but if right. you're a smaller company and you're building then, and as you're developing this, it's about the intentionality. So mm -hmm. can you can you build into the strategies the intentionality of, yeah. of these ESG topics and then be able to demonstrate them to the market? Mm -hmm. So so smaller companies actually you see them having actually an opportunity. Absolutely. I mean, for the number of times we have these conversations, and I mean, it depends on which sectors, but we have smaller companies sometimes going coming to us going, but you know we don't we haven't done our carbon footprint but we know that we're low we know that we're low carbon and we'll like one of the first pieces of advice then is well go get your carbon footprint done because i don't know any company today where you know greenhouse gas emissions is not something that's going to be asked for so as mm -hmm. much as i say esg is not ghg it is the one that you know everyone in the market can measure today Mm -hmm. So if you think your footprint is going to be, if you really believe your footprint is low, great, show, show the market. 
that your footprint is low. Go out and, and have the work done and then develop and, and um, communicate to the market your strategy of how you're going to continue to keep that low or create new products or whatever. And, but that's just on climate, right? right In order right. to be able to do those things again, you often need the right talent. So if talent is a topic, which in today's world is a major one, how are you going to get the best talent? How do you retain that talent? And being able to demonstrate some of these elements to these potential stakeholders. I, I like to use this example of, you know, if you think about um, fight, flight, or freeze. So you get the fighters that are saying, this is just going to regulate us out of business. And there's this, they're terrified of it. So they're fighting. You have the others that are just like, you know, ostrich uh, head in the sand. And then you have the deer in the headlights people and they're just frozen. And, you know, I like to use the example of a, a company that really said to me, you know, we, we just really don't have ESG. Like we're great corporate citizens. We love all people. We do lovely things, but we just don't have an ESG story and, and you kind of, you can't make us. <laughs> but if you looked at the risk register, uh, you know, at the board level, 30% of their risks that they identified fell under the ESNG. So, you know, without getting too sophisticated, you can do a back of the envelope assessment of yourselves as a starting place and look at that. I mean, I I agree with Myla, like don't overthink it. There's too much noise and frameworks and methods and software platforms. It's overwhelming for companies. It's just mm -hmm. absolutely overwhelming. You can sit with four other management people around a table and do an analysis of your own company or an audit if you want, but like an informal audit and identify where you're excelling and identify where you're not and get a story together. And I think, you know, um, and I love what Milo was saying. It, she didn't say it quite this way, but it's that baked in, you know, you can't just stick it on. It has to be baked in. And I think that is, you know, apart from metrics, and we'll get into more financial stuff later, but that's what um, investors, especially the retail investors, are judging you on. Like, is it really real? Is it part of the company? If I invest today, will it look like this going forward because you actually believe it and it's actually part of what you do? Or is it just like a little, you know, a Band-Aid so we can maybe attract more investors? It, that will be very transparent to investors. So right. fully integrated, but... Again, you you can start right now with what you have as a company. It's not that hard. Right. Yeah. So we talked about um, some of the metrics and um, some of the materiality. What are some of the early structures or metrics companies can put in place to begin to tell their ESG story? Well, I, I'm going to just jump in, Myla, and we, we may say similar things, but again, you know, my last comment was there's so many things to pull from for companies and that's where it becomes, starts to become very confusing. Um, I think that we can very easily, you can look at the Sustainability Accounting Standards Board, which we refer to as SASB, and I don't want to throw a lot of acronyms at our audience, but they actually provide industry sectors and you can, you know, look under your industry sector and see metrics. I think it's a really interesting place for companies to start um, you know, with like industries, they don't cover every single industry, especially if you're innovative and you've developed something new, but you can get a sense of it. And the other thing I would do, which is the quick and dirty way of doing things, is to look at what your peers are doing. 
What are your peers doing? What reports are they putting out? What frameworks do they use? What metrics do they use? And then, of course, you know, the, the golden seal, like the, the, the company you most want to be like, what are they doing? So you have best practices to shoot for. But a quick, you know, review of your peers is going to show you what they're using. And there's no harm in imitating that. Yes, and we endorse the S&P ESG reporting repository that provides companies with free access to peer analysis, plus other complementary capabilities, such as uploading your data and converting to other frameworks. What I would suggest is perhaps that, you know, looking at your peers is important, but we're always very cautious um, because the story you tell has to be yours. And, you know, a peer's business is their business and they often have um, the topics themselves can be um, a bit different when it comes to what is financially material to your business. So you could take two, you know, two very similar businesses in the same sector, but what might be a challenge for one may actually be the competitive advantage of the other. Right. Um, and good, you know, good ESG reporting is narrowing down the focus. So it's a good reference point. In fact, in our process, we typically wait until after we have identified the topics before we go look at the peers. Okay. Um, because what we find is um, you can get into the trap of starting to disclose on something that's not relevant or not financially material to your business um, versus identifying first what's really important for your business. And I think that's where getting that ex some of that ex expert um, perspective, if there's value to be created along the process, I think it's at that early phase. Um, it's really about identifying what's really important to your business. And then there's many of these steps, many of which Nancy has highlighted here with respect to SASB okay. and indicators and those sort of things that can come afterwards. But it's really your business which you want to take ownership of it. We, as we say all the time, you want to own your story. Right. On this. It's, yeah. it's the most important part. Right. Um, and maybe just to come back uh, to confirm um, what Nancy has said as well, you know, we say it very frequently, you know, every business in my view is probably 75 to 80% of what they are already doing. If they're still in business has some E S and G elements to it. It's the other, it's the other percentage um, that you're looking for expert advice around to be able to see, are we missing something? Are there mm -hmm. blind spots? Um, which is often the case. You know, we often bring things to the organization and where where we hear in advance, no, that, that's really not very important to us. But we may bring some very different perspectives about how the market is developing. And so this has to be done with where you are, but with a view to how is the market um, and how are those financial stakeholders, how are they developing? What are the topics that they're really looking at um, so that you can meet the market as you work towards your story and your disclosures? Yeah, so I just want to clarify. I mean, I wouldn't tell people to go copy somebody else's um, materiality assessment, uh, but only look to see what, what metrics and frameworks they're using because they will have discovered maybe <laughs> what suits them best. But, um, you know, further to Mila's point, you could have two very similar companies have very different materiality assessments, uh, right. which I have done and was shocked at how different they were. So uh, that materiality is so um, unique to each company. And, you know, that's where 
people like us can help. I mean, we have our, our third party point of view. We have the expertise. We also have the cumulative knowledge of all of these companies that have been trying to craft uh, their ESG strategies. And uh, I think it's a benefit to look outward and see if uh, someone can help your company get started. I'm not trying to plug <laughs> us necessarily, but it is there's there's this value in having that outward looking in view. Um, you know, the company's in its own silo, and uh, I think there's a great benefit there. I agree 100%. In your experience, um, what are the top ESG criteria that institutional investors are looking for? And what do you recommend to reach the retail investors? Maybe maybe I could start with that one. Sure. Um, I think what, what the institutional investors want is to be able to do apple to apple comparisons. So um, as we just said, you know, every company has some ES and G topics. So they want that organization to be able to identify the topics, to be able to talk to them. Why is it material for the business and what are you going to do about it? And ultimately, what can they hold you accountable for? So it's over time. So, um, of course, you know, greenhouse gas emissions is, uh, as I mentioned, a key element. Um, we're actually in the process of doing our um, semi-annual institutional investor sentiment study um, as we speak. And, you know, we always ask, what are the three topics that you are looking at most? Climate change is at the top. Um, but second in behind that now is diversity, equity, and inclusion, which is really yeah. interesting to see that the marketplace is so interested on this topic. And it's no longer just at the board level. So I think, you know, it doesn't really matter where you are in the journey, but it's really about identifying the topics. Um, that's mm -hmm. really the key element as that first step. And then being able to demonstrate, you know, we identified this, here are some metrics, this is uh, where we aim for, and you know you can hold us accountable as we move mm -hmm. towards that. Um, I think in response to the retail orientation, perhaps Nancy's a bit more um, converse on that part of the market. Well, I just want to make an institutional comment because this is where I get really excited. In, you know, the large institutions have mandates. They have their feet to the fire. They've made commitments. They're scored annually. They have to submit these huge tomes of everything they've done. They cannot be investing in companies that detract from their, you know, annual tome of the things that they have done. And they're, that that is part of the United Nations principles of responsible investing. So knowing that, I think it really serves a company well to identify what their institutional investors really need to meet their own criteria. You know, it's sort of in a reverse engineer view of it. Um, and then sometimes those large institutions aren't reflected in your competitors or in your own investment sort of complexion as a company. Um, but but probably they are the parents of some of the institutions that are investing in you. So you need to follow, you know, follow the, the, the golden path and see how that's impacting you. Now, having said that, some of these companies don't actually advertise what their criteria are. So if you have something that's really 
you know, as plain as the nose on your face sort of information from Goldman Sachs. Like two years ago, they said we were not going to take anybody company, any company public rather, unless they actually have a woman on the board, which then softened to be uh, have diversity uh, represented on the board. That's really clear. But if you ask BlackRock, what criteria do I need to meet for you to invest in my company? Um, they're very vague. They'll say it's on a company by company basis. But companies can do their homework and see where BlackRock is investing and where their investors are investing and, and just follow uh, you know, the crumbs basically. So with investors, institutional investors, I feel like that's a huge driver. With retail, I think, you know, I like to call it motherhood and apple pie. They they really want to be part of companies that are doing the right thing, but they also need the confidence that that company will continue to do that, that it is baked in, as we said earlier, that, that they don't have to worry that tomorrow there will be some horrendous thing that they've gone and done that now, you know, eliminates everything that they had that was, you know, a positive E, S, or G. So I think for retail, that ESG messaging has to be part of all messaging always to win the confidence of investors and let them know this is really part of who we are and what we do. Good. And just to wrap up, um, where do you, where, maybe each of you can take a, a piece of this. Where do you see ESG reporting requirements going? And what are some of the changes you see coming down the road that, that we should maybe be aware of? Well, we both know where it's going. <laughs> so, you know, I really see this as being under the CFO. Um, I don't know what the timeline is. I don't know if anyone does. Myla might have more insight from her, um, you know, research studies, but it, it will become the purview of the CFO. Um, we'll have IS, ISSB standards that are IFRS accounting friendly, and it will be, you know, under the CFO and companies will be evaluated based on their financial statements and ESG. There's some problems and hiccups along the way because um, people are having a difficult time quantifying the qualitative aspects of S, uh, social impact. I mean, there's some, some things you can measure and some things that are harder to measure. Uh, but I think that's where we'll find ESG landing. I don't want to discount how important it is to be an overall strategy and ethos of a company um, just because it's landing in financial statements. Myla, mm -hmm. do you agree? Uh, absolutely. I, I mean, I think, um, you know, the ISSB, the International Sustainability Standards Board, um, is coming into fruition. I think that it's going to be the, the biggest push for the marketplace, not just for public companies, but for private companies um, with respect to your actual accounting standards. So this is going to get baked in. It's going to take some time. Um, we're going to start with some basics. Um, the second level of that will be around climate. Um, but I think it's, uh, you know, I think beyond that, you have other stakeholders that are also asking for this type of information whether it's government agencies, again, whether it's if you're in the supply chain of the Walmarts of the world, Walmart is asking for this type of information. And even if you're in the supply chain of the supply chain of Walmart, this is the type of information. And I think it, it's, you know, the, the beauty of this right now is again, opportunities. We are in great transition around and, and perhaps even some confusion around ESG 
So I think for those companies who are able to embrace this and understand it, there's an opportunity to displace your competitors right now. And Absolutely. The, you know, the accounting world is changing. Your stakeholders are changing. Opportunity is there. And I would say, you know, um, the, the, your financial stakeholders are not just the investors, they're the BDCs, they're these government agencies that help support small businesses. And I think at the end of the day, you know, the, the major value of this is if you do, and eventually if you come public in IPOs, it's the valuation that you can get. I think right now you can get higher valuations from uh, managing that message around ESG. And secondly, the types of investors that are interested in ESG tend to be those that are long-term investors. And that's exactly what you want as a new, newly listed company um, on the marketplace, having some very patient capital beside you as you, you know, maneuver these first moves on the, on the market. Um, I think that's the other major advantage. So I see only opportunities for companies who wish to IPO or to move towards IPOing um, to ensure that you've enveloped your, your story, but also the metrics, et cetera, around these mm -hmm. ESG topics. Yeah, I love the su supply chain example, Monica. Uh, it's my favorite because it reflects uh, at the very least do not discount yourself from opportunities. So, you know, we had uh, a client who said, gee whiz, you know, we just talked to somebody, we're part of the supply chain. And one of the things they asked us was, do we have a modern slavery policy? And they had one. Um, could they have, you know, they, they obviously showed great uh, by having that and having had the thought process to include it and was part of a larger comprehensive diversity inclusion policy but but your supply chain uh if you're part of someone's supply chain it will be asking the tough questions and if you can't uh meet their requirements you will not be included and they'll move on so that's really happening and in a world where we're having supply chain issues you want to be as competitive as you possibly can be so i like that supply chain reference myla because it's one of my my favorites so you know my I would say don't discount yourself at the very least and at the very most make yourself as competitive as you can be i would like to thank both of you for participating in this discussion today i certainly learned a lot about esg communications for early stage companies early stage ipos new and new ipos and um, i hope the rest of our audience has as well thank you monica it's my pleasure to be here Thank you so much, Monica. It's been a real pleasure. And uh, I just hope that we've, we've been able to inspire a few organizations to uh, take advantage of some of these market conditions that we're experiencing today.